Morning Liberty. Well, what's up, everybody? This is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. Once again, Charlie and I were staring at each other in the eyes trying to see who was going to start talking first. You know, honestly, I've had the last few, so I decided <laughs> secretly to give you this one. I was waiting on you to go. I think we went one extra measure into the song this time before we started. Now, so. <laughs> at the beginning of every episode, we always tell people the same thing. And there's a reason for that. And what is it that we tell them? Well, we tell them that this is the Good Morning Liberty podcast. What do we tell them after that? Oh, that they should subscribe to that podcast. Yes. Yeah. Because we want them to be able to get our episodes as soon as we release them. Like today, just going to come straight to your phone, let you know that we have a new episode. And what that does is it's going to help us grow this movement. If you care about this movement, if you're listening on our website, which we get a lot of plays through the articles that we post, all kinds of stuff like that. So if you're listening through there, get to your podcast app right now. Do it. You can hear me. Do it right now and hit subscribe. That's only if you want to defeat socialism. Yeah, if you like socialism, then don't yeah. subscribe. If you, Yeah, if you are a tyrant. Yeah, you, there's a lot of things that you shouldn't do if you like socialism. You should not buy a t-shirt from our merch store. You should not rate and review this show or subscribe to the podcast or tell your friends about it. If you, if you like socialism, then don't do those things. If you don't like socialism like we don't. And you want to defeat that tyrannical ideology. Yeah. Well, you've come to the right place because, boy, do we have a show for you today. (laughs) There's been a lot of news, by the way. I actually had to cut some news items because I found so many news stories today that I wanted to talk about. If you could talk faster, we could get it all done right now. I know. There's too many S's in most of these titles, (laughs) so I'm I'm just not going to be able to do it. Sorry. Uh, I was going to ask you, I mean, we were talking about how we hate socialism and everything. I mean, is that just because you hate poor people? I mean, obviously, listen, Charlie, you're white, you're a male, you grew up filthy rich with every advantage in front of you in the world, you know, and you just don't know anything about the the plight of the ordinary individual. I guess I don't, you know, yeah. um, a trailer, going, I grew up in a trailer to a single mom, yeah. I had two brothers, we're all giants, by the way. <laughs> Probably we could register as giants even. You identify as one for sure. Yeah, I do yeah. identify as one. Yeah. And uh, that, I don't think that's exactly what you would consider privileged. I didn't get to go to Harvard or Princeton or Yale. Now, and actually, I didn't even go to college. Yeah. Barely even got out of high school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is that just like a story that your marketing team cooked up for you, I guess? No, it actually really happened. <laughs> I got so mad one day because I told, <laughs> I told, uh, you know, I also grew up really poor, single mom in a trailer. Uh, you know, saw my dad on the weekends, went there too. We were trailer trash. <laughs> yeah. Just straight up trailer trash in the yeah. same little podunk town in Illinois. No offense. Any I, of you guys look, listening on a positive note, I guess our mom wasn't on drugs. Like that's true. Like hey, mom. Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> kidding, <laughs> kidding, mom. Uh, yeah, but I, I told someone that one day because I was arguing these ideas and these principles of the free market. And they were like, well, you know, obviously you just, you grew up rich and you don't understand or you wouldn't be making those arguments. So making the point that if you, if anyone grew up poor, if anyone grew up with any type of tough situation, then they would automatically agree with all of these socialist ideas. So I let them know, like, actually, you know, my mom's a school teacher. We grew up a a little bit poor in a trailer park, you know, and um, they just accused me of making that up. And that was really frustrating. I guess I'm a little bit better than you because I wasn't in a park. Yeah, 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 you are. You are. We just had a trailer with a, a driveway and, and a yard. We had the newest and nicest trailer in that trailer park, just so you know. It okay. was nice. So you were on a different level yeah. than... So much better than all the other the people. The rest of the poor. Yeah, for sure. For you sure. were a privileged peasant. <laughs> no, but we, uh, you know, <laughs> we love this ideology, this free market capitalist ideology, because we actually want to help poor people, because we really do care about the people who are having a tough time. And socialism, big government, all these big policies from Warren and Sanders and all these people, uh, they're not really the answer. They they sound like they're an answer, but but they're not actually an answer. And the ideology, it, the ideology of socialism, it does make people more equal. 
Yeah. But yeah, instead of instead of raising what see what capitalism does, what we believe in actually raises uh, poor people out of poverty and into the middle class and upper class. Yeah. What socialism does is it leaves poor people where they're at and maybe even worse a little bit, but then they just bring everybody in the middle and upper class down to the same level. Yeah, I mean, socialism, if you want to visualize it, it just puts everyone in that trailer park that I grew up in. Yeah. And then everyone's equal. We all have the same two-bedroom, single-wide trailer. Yeah, you just walk from one end to the other uh, to get to, you know, your mom's room or something like that, and, you know, they all look the same, by the way. You know, all the trailers are all the same. I forgot we were even more privileged because we actually added on a little bit to the end of our trailer. You added on to your trailer? Yes. Was the addition on wheels also? No. Okay, it was, like, secured to the ground? Yeah, so you can't move that trailer anymore. So you had a spot where, like, I could have come to hide out if it was super windy outside then. Maybe. I did you used know. to feel it like kind of rocking back and forth when oh, yeah. the wind would blow really hard? Yep. And yep. did you guys have a, a, like an aluminum, like a tin roof also? So it was like crazy loud when it rained? Yes, but it was nice too, though. It's like because you listen to the rain as you fall asleep. I agree. I didn't like it when I was younger, but actually, I kind of wish I had an aluminum roof right now, to yeah. the truth. Just but put one above your house now. I wouldn't be able to hear it right now put anyway. Put a trailer above your house and stay up there. <laughs> that's, hey, now that's an idea. Your house is so big now. <laughs> you live in a, <laughs> such a huge house. Just I know. put a trailer on top of it. I know. I know. Well, um, <laughs> if aluminum prices go down, I'll consider doing that. Yeah. But let's face it. I've got to cover so much square footage with that roof now. You know, I just don't even know if it's worth the money. We'll you see. You know, before we get into these news headlines, did you, you want to know what I did today? Um, I, I was there for it, but why don't you tell everyone else? <laughs> I, I spent no less than about six hours on the phone all day long. Literally. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly on one yeah. phone call. In fact, it was so long by the time lunch rolled around, which we didn't really get. I actually did. I made a pizza. Yeah. Uh, I had to plug my phone in. Your phone was, was already all, going dead by the time. It was already on the, on the dying. It's on its last leg. And your lunch break was, everyone took 30 minutes to go away from their conference room phone and yes. eat some lunch, and then they came back and started talking about yeah. IT stuff. This, that's what it takes to get out of a trailer, by the way. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> yeah. It does. Well, I, I mean, I'm, I used to spend six hours on the phone with like bill collectors and stuff like that. Didn't, they didn't give me as much money, though. I'll oh, tell okay. you that. Yeah. Gotcha. So Wait, you, you, they were trying to get money from you. Yeah, they were trying to get money. Whereas oh, okay. the, the people you were on the phone with were are paying you an exorbitant amount of money to sit there on the yeah. phone. So they, hey, you know you're living the you're living the best life right now. Yeah, you know some some people would call it a dream. Yeah, it is it is a dream. <laughs> it is. So uh, let's run through some news items real quick. I've got quite a few of them. And uh, this one just popped up like right before when I was when I was putting together these items. I, I added it to the first one. All right. So the federal court has blocked the Alabama law that criminalized most abortions. So I don't know if you heard about this. That that was from Fox News. But a federal judge issued a ruling Tuesday blocking an Alabama law that would make abortion a felony in nearly all situations, regardless of the stage of the pregnancy. U.S. Dis- District Judge Myron Thompson. Is he related to you, you think? Uh, no, probably not. All right. Myron Thompson granted a motion for a preliminary injunction, temporarily preventing the law from being enforced as a lawsuit over the law brought by abortion providers moves forward. Okay, then it says, The court is persuaded that the plaintiffs are likely to succeed in showing that the act violates an individual's constitutional right to obtain a pre-viability abortion, and thus that it violates her constitutional rights, the ruling said, noting that banning abortion before viability violates Supreme Court precedent. Well... This is uh, this is interesting because, well, of course, who didn't see this happening? Like this was the goal. Yeah, when especially with the pre viability part, because Roe v. Wade did well kind of define I, viability, right? Yes, but what I'm meaning is this this was the goal of passing this law. Yeah, Alabama knew it was going to be challenged, and then they're hoping it goes all the way to Supreme Court, so the Supreme Court can revisit Roe versus Wade. That's exactly what the plan was. This is how government works. So everybody saw that. But what's interesting that I see here is that the lawsuit is brought on by abortion providers. Now, do they have a victim? Yeah. Well, so that they're backing because you, you abortion providers just can't sue over a law. It has to be a, 
It has to be someone whose rights were actually violated. Well, and so here's the deal with this law. Now, I saw all kinds of stuff about this law when it was actually passed, about how it's going to put women in jail, right, for having abortions. That's kind uh-huh. of the idea behind behind this whole thing. They got people so upset about it. Well, this law, if you wanted to clarify and, and state what is actually in the law, this law only makes it illegal for the people who perform the abortions. This actual law did not say anything about putting women in jail whatsoever for having abortions. So the actual law applies to the abortion providers. So that's why the abortion providers are suing in this case. Because they're not allowed to perform. Do their job, I guess. I don't know. Gotcha. Yeah, the service. So in this case, the confusing part about this law, uh, and obviously, I believe, perpetrated by a lot of people, say, on the left-wing side of the argument, is that uh, the the people who were upset about this were saying that women were going to be put in jail or, or be charged with crimes, maybe even up to murder, for performing some of these uh, abortions that are now going to be illegal, or for getting these abortions. So what's actually happening here is that the abortion providers were affected by this law, and now they are taking it. And I do agree with you. I do think that this law was intentionally designed was intentionally designed to go to the Supreme Court eventually and, yeah. uh, and that's what's going to happen now and you know the the people the people who are forcing this up to the Supreme Court if you're on the pro abortion side maybe need to air a little bit of caution here because if this does get through the Supreme Court then they do find it if they do uphold this law that could set that exact precedent across the entire country sets the new precedent. So if I were them, I, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying it's going to go through the Supreme court and they're going to uphold it and everything, but you know, that I'm sure that they're taking that into account while they're making this decision. Yeah. But, and you know, well, we, we could probably do a whole podcast on, we could do a whole week's worth of podcast on, you know, pro or against abortion, you know, um, that's not really, it's not something we talk about too much on here. Mm-mm. Libertarians are split on that issue. Really. They are. So, and look, what I can say about that is uh, what I know about this Alabama abortion law. The fact that it doesn't leave you know any provisions in for like rape and things like that. I think that's probably wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it did leave in. Um, let's see. I I had taken out the paragraph, but it there was something to do with the emergency circumstances with the mother and right. things like that. So, th- so they could do that, but right. you're right. It did leave, um, you know, still illegal for rape, things like which, that. Yeah. Which I would think most people would disagree with. Yeah. Although you can make a case for whatever, but I think the, the actual debate is really, if you get rid of the 3% of abortions on, you know, rape and incest and health of the mother, Yeah, the debate's really over the 97% of other cases where the abortion is elective, but you know, this would be challenged because in Roe versus Wade, they set the precedent of viability, like you said, at 24 weeks. Yeah. Uh, which is going down now, by the way, because we have uh, babies that are now surviving at 20 weeks. Not very often. Yeah. But yeah. they have had a few. 20 so. weeks. That That is quite early. It is. Yeah. And also, dude, I saw this insane show last night. Only the first episode. It's called Unnatural Selection. Was that on uh, It's on Netflix. Netflix? It's a okay. docu-series. And okay. it's all about um, genetic engineering. And I knew that there was some crazy technology out there, but I didn't realize how, um, how much we actually know about it. And then the fact that it's so accessible. Yeah. So the protein that you need to be able to modify DNA, like you can order it right now, man. And run your own experiments. We could open up a lab. In fact, I've even thought about ordering one last night. It's like 150 bucks. You get your whole kit. It, it, uh, and they you send know, you bacteria and stuff that I'm you not, can modify, but you could do You can inject your dog with the stuff. How safe is this, would you say? That's the, there was a person on there saying, we need like massive regulations and all of this stuff. And the other guy who kind of runs his own home lab, he's a former NASA scientist. Yeah. Um, that was hired on to do genetic engineering for a Mars project. Um, but now he's like, he seems like a libertarian. Yeah. <laughs> he's very, uh, he's very anti-regulations and all that. And he was like, why can't normal people conduct their own experiments? Well, you see like what I just said right there when you told me about it, my first reaction was, 
how safe is this? That's everyone's first that, reaction. That's the first reaction. So yes. obviously at that point in time, if I make the decision to order whatever this this demon protein is that you're talking about, <laughs> if I make the decision to order that, then I'm I'm responsible for what happens at that point yeah. in time. Agreed. You know, and you know they were making <laughs> let nature this. take its course there. That's kind of survival of the fittest in well, my opinion. But, but the problem is <laughs> If you release, like, say you make some modifications and, you know, you produce a, a rat or whatever, if that ends up going out into the wild and then reproducing, well, you've been, you've changed now the genetic makeup. Like, you essentially have taken evolution and, and genetic, the genome into your own hands. And I'll give you an example. There's a guy, just a normal, regular old Joe. Now, look. <laughs> He, his dad, he said his dad was a farmer and his uh, mom was a stay-at-home mom and his grandfather was a machinist or something like that. He's like, I didn't get the opportunity to go to MIT and study what I wanted to study. He's like, so I, you know, I just have a high school diploma. He's like, but this stuff really interests me. And he like has this whole lab set up and he's learned everything he can about it through online, basically on YouTube and all kinds of stuff. And he has modified his dogs to produce... <laughs> Um, sperm, his male dogs produce sperm that illuminate. If you look at the sperm under a microscope, what do the test trials look like on it's that? Green. You know, I just want to know. Um, I want to know the kind of the trial and error process of this. You know, of, of that whole situation. Was that on the documentary? I don't know. Okay. There's another there, and I've only watched the first episode, and so there's another guy who. Um, what they're trying to do is they're trying to solve the problem of Lyme disease. And so what they've done is the biggest carrier of Lyme disease are these little mice. And so they've recoded the, the, the mice protein to be a, immune to Lyme disease. Yeah. Which in essence, if their idea is in like whatever, a hundred years or a thousand years, as these mice continue to reproduce, all of them will be immune to immune disease, which will then kill all the ticks because the ticks won't have any feeding ground anymore. And so that basically you eradicate Lyme disease. But then they're wanting to release these mice on Martha's Vineyard. Now, have they pinpointed the protein that makes you against socialism? No, I don't okay. think so. Okay, well, let me but know anyway, when I they just, do. I know this isn't really about abortion, but <laughs> in speaking about viability... I mean, they're studying ways to where, like, you could regrow your own heart. Huh. Yeah. You could regrow your own back. You could regrow your own arm. So they're, like, instead of, like, stem cells where it's some, like, maybe somebody else's or something like that, it's literally they can take your own cells hmm. and they can modify the proteins and then grow basically you like superhero. You can enhance muscles. You can do all kinds of stuff. We're, we may have... Like a real life superhero in our in our lifetime, especially with how like it's not regulated whatsoever. So anybody can do this. We may have like people that we may have the Hulk one day. Like I'm all for it. Uh, I, I, I'm all for other people testing that out. And I'm just I wonder like what happens if you do create mutants. Let's say <laughs> I'm serious. I'm not kidding. You watch this. You watch Unnatural Selection, and you'll be like, "Oh my God, mutants! This X Men is real. It is flipping real, man." Oh, I'm telling you, watch this. I I I was so tired last night, and I was like, "Oh, I just want to kind of put on something to just." whatever and i saw this that looked interesting and i shouldn't have put it on because then my mind just went nuts i'm gonna check it out i'm gonna watch it i was just i just can't believe that you can just get this stuff unnatural selection unnatural selection check it out on netflix um and the i believe the protein's called uh it's like cipro or something like that or ciprex yeah yeah okay and uh they're just giving this stuff away, man. Well, get so, it right now while it's on discount. I know. Okay. <laughs> I might look it up. Get it before the regulators get I a know, hold of it, okay? And that way you can make your own and sell it on the on the, the black genetics market. <laughs> just do that. Okay, well. That might be worth investing in. <laughs> this, ne this next story. Texas town growing as it refuses to collect property taxes. I'm moving to this place. What? This sounds cool. In 2014, Vaughn, what does that say? Omni? Ormi? What is that? Well, 
Ormy. I'm just going to say Ormy. Von Ormy. This is yes. my first time ever changing the font to a lower size for our podcast notes, and I'm already paying the price. Just zoom in, man. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that real quick. Okay, in 2014, Von Ormy, Texas Mayor Art Martinez de Vera, issued his proposed 2015 city budget, which proposed eliminating property taxes. Wow. I like this. I like this person. He told the Von Ormy star. So the town's called Von Ormy. I thought that right. was the person. That was no. confusing to start with. Okay. Uh, he said, in 2019, we established a goal of shifting the tax burden for operating the city from property taxes towards sales taxes. I just want a quick correction. Since 2009. Not this year. You said 2019. Since 2009. So 10 years ago. Yeah. Just hit the go back button and pretend like I said 2009. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Do that. All right. Um, we did this because over 95% of sales taxes are paid by non-residents. And we understood that we could increase sales tax revenue much faster than property tax revenue. Since that time, we've increased sales tax revenue by over 400%. In order to achieve the same revenue, we would have had to increase them by 300% from where they were in 2009. And this says, uh, as the BBC reported, Jess Fields, a policy analyst for the Texas Public Policy Foundation, who has fought for the Liberty City movement in Texas, stated in 2015, the Liberty City idea kind of goes back to the basic con concept that people, that people have a fundamental right to determine what kind of government they want to live under. You don't say, That's Jess. crazy. What a monumental idea Jess right there. Jess Fields, you don't say. I hope Jess Fields runs runs for office sometime. Yeah. Uh, see, she said, uh, arguing that the regulations in large Texas cities restrict personal liberties. Oh, amen. He stated, oh, Jess is a he. My bad, Jess. Yes. He stated, I don't deny that some of these regulations are well-intended to promote public health and safety, but there's a point at which these good intentions are eclipsed by their clear, negative, unintended consequences. Wow. We don't want the government to tell you how to do every little thing with your property and what to do with your life. Well, Jess had me at hello. Yeah, I'm, I'm voting for Jess. But yeah. that's beautifully written. And so uh, one more thing here. In 2015, Texas State Senator Connie Burton introduced SB 710, which would have required any change in property taxes to be approved by at least 60% of constituents in a public vote. Devara, who was Burton's chief of staff at the time, that's the mayor, uh, chief of staff at the time, um, as well as serving as Von Ormy's mayor, stated, it's a really good experiment in democracy. He pointed out that Von Ormy had no gun restrictions, no smoking bans, and no fireworks ban. He concluded, we're not anarchists. We just believe in limited government. So you're telling me that this, lit this limited government city is thriving. That's pretty crazy. That's pretty who crazy. Would've, who would have thought? I don't know. It's almost like if you reduce the penalties for existing, the people there will do better. <laughs> they, they will exist better. <laughs> yeah. I, I really hope some people in Illinois take a look at this because uh, their property taxes have just gone insane Man, lately. if we could get a whole, you know, this whole idea like that we've talked about between the separate states, if we could get a whole state to embrace an idea like this, Yeah, you know, where you would have... Just the best state ever. Yeah. Maybe it is Texas. Just like a Liberty State. I, I think we might move the headquarters here. <laughs> Do you, uh, you want me to run through this next one here, How too? How close is this to Dallas? Um, I don't know. It looked closer than here. Because we are Cowboys fans. I, I know. I'm considering this really heavily right now. I got to see Von if... Von Ormy. I got to see if there's mm. a place down there for my wife to, to, get, a, to get a job at, at a sure hospital there, there somewhere. I'm sure there is. Okay. Well, let's go. You can well, just go right now. Good morning, Liberty Headquarters. <laughs> okay. Potential move to Von Ormy. I'll do this since uh, I'll do this one because uh, since I have already talked about it once before. But Elon Musk is now officially going to trial for calling Vernon Unsworth "pedo guy." Hmm. That's what he called this person. So Elon Musk is officially heading to trial after a federal judge declined his last re request to toss out a defama defamation case brought by Vern Unsworth. The heroic cave diver that Musk famously referred to as Pedo Guy on Twitter. 
U.S. District Judge Stephen Wilson ruled on Monday that a jury will have to decide whether or not Musk was negligent for failing to check the accuracy of his statements before he made them to his over 20 million Twitter followers and a journalist, according to LA, LA Times. So, so this whole story, just so you guys know, that this was back when that um, how, you remember when all those people were trapped in that Thai cave and they had to in Thailand, yeah, they had to um, you know, go rescue and it was just this big like diving thing where they had to bring each one of them out, you know, one at a time, and and everyone was okay and it was a, a good story. Well, during that time, Elon Musk was was trying to use this little submarine that he. Decided to invent real quick, I guess. But he was going to try and take a person-sized submarine to that cave and use it to rescue the people that were trapped there. Well, this uh, this Vern Unsworth person just said that e- Elon Musk was uh, basically making a PR stunt. And apparently this made Elon Musk really mad because he decided to refer to Unsworth as a child rapist in an email that he sent to BuzzFeed and, and called him a <laughs> called him a pedo guy on Twitter. What does a what does pedo guy mean? I is guess that he's like a defined? pedophile, like a pedophile. I know I I can infer that. Yeah. But is it actually defined? Actually, you know that's well, I guess since he sent that email calling him a child rapist to BuzzFeed, maybe you know, that's what creates that. But, you know, yeah, he, but an email correspondence isn't like publicly blasting anybody. Yeah. So maybe he could get away with that defense. Like, hey, a pedo is just a word that I, you know, that's what I call my cat, you know? Right. So I was just calling him a name that we use around my house sometimes. Yeah. So we just we call each other pedo. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought this was really interesting because he called someone a bad name on Twitter. And now this is going all the way to court. And it's going to be basically a defamation lawsuit and saying that Musk was uh, guilty of negligence for failing to check the accuracy of his statements. I just look, I just want you to say I looked up pedo. What is yeah. it? Like, what's the actual definition? And all it says is of a child relating to children. Oh, OK. So if he's a pedo guy, he's just a child guy. Uh, that doesn't sound near as terrible. A boy, he's a boy man. Yeah. OK, well. Uh, maybe uh, I don't hopefully... see how I don't see how anybody wins a defamation case against this. Besides the fact that Elon Musk has a bunch of money, yeah. I mean, uh, obviously, my biggest issue with this is, you know, where do you draw the line on this, and what precedent does this set for everyone on Twitter? Because I don't know if you know this, but Twitter is kind of for calling people bad names. Like that's kind of the main reason that Twitter exists is to. Uh, tweet really angry, hateful things at other people. That's really that's really about the only thing I see ever happening on Twitter. And so, what I want to know is, you know, what if what if someone calls Donald Trump a racist and says that he's running concentration camps for people down on the border, and then that's found to uh, well, not be true. You can't really prove that he's a racist. And then the the concentration camps, I don't think, is really the accurate representation of what's going on. Isn't he suing CNN? Um, he's suing them because that that tape came out or whatever happened uh, where they their uh, president or whoever was show, talking about how they were going to try to try to harm him and showing clear bias. Oh, okay. So, oh, that that conference call that was had. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I just want to know. You know, what is the precedent that we're setting here? Like, if you call someone a bad name on Twitter, if you can't prove in the court of law that that's actually true, uh, then can you be susceptible to a defamation lawsuit at that time? Because, uh, I don't know, I mean, I've probably tweeted some things about Bernie Sanders before, for all we know. And if you can't prove that in a court of law that Bernie Sanders' ideology is going to lead to 100 million people starving to death, then can he sue me for defamation? Or is it maybe there's a, there has to be a certain amount of followers on your profile? So where do you draw the line? <laughs> you know, I've you know we've only got in the hundreds amount of followers, and so it's not enough. And so that's not enough. But if we had 20 million followers, then that would be a big. Where do you draw that line? Is it like, is it like? 19 million 990,000 is is not enough. I think the, the, you know, the law was constructed for, you know, libel and slander was constructed to, if, 
in a, that you can actually use speech to harm someone. So it's the same precedent. Like if you yell fire in a crowded theater, that old, old Supreme court precedent where you actually, you don't have a right to say anything you want, because what we believe is liberty minded people is that you can't hurt people and you take, can't take their stuff. And so if you do something to actually hurt someone, I think that's what he has to prove here. The pedo guy. Yeah. What's his name? Actually, I don't want to get in trouble here. <laughs> actually, yeah, you need but to be I'm, careful. I'm using pedo in the in pedo in the cons like like boy, like boy man. I got you. Not in the negative connotation. Yeah, I'm not making any kind okay. of lie. I, I don't. I don't know if he rapes children. His name is Vern Unsworth. Vern, Just, oh, that's right, Unsworth. Unsworth, Mr. Unsworth. Yes, Sir Unsworth. Um, if he does rape children, I'm saying if now. Yeah, you don't know for sure that he then does. He's disgusting. Um, and he should be, he should be, I was going to say something terrible. He should go to trial for that. <laughs> but, uh, without knowing that I'm, I'm referring to him as pedo guy in the sense that like boy, man, and that's just a joke. He does seem and to I be taking this like a child, boy. whatever joke I want to, but okay. If I, if I make up a lie about you, Nate, and that causes you to lose a business deal worth like $10 million. Yeah. And you can prove that. Yeah. Then that's a that's a defamation case where you'd be like, oh, I'm going to sue you for $10 million that you caused me to lose this deal. So I guess what you want to look at is, like, did this uh, harm the Unsworth guy yeah. in any kind of way? Did yeah. he did he lose his job? Did he lose his business? Did, did you know, I don't know. Did it actually yes. affect him in any kind of way other than emotionally? Then I would say you would have a case. <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree with a, with a case... If there was some actual harm caused, because that's what I believe. I believe you don't harm people. You don't take their stuff. You don't make up lies about people that can harm them. And what, what do if, you think about that? What if you say that Donald Trump is an evil racist that wants poor people to starve to death and it hurts his campaign and his reelection? Then he would have, he would have to sue that individual. <laughs> I'm just worried about the I'm just worried about the legal precedent. But all, people, I mean, people do this about. all time, though. I mean, yeah. people do get sued for libel and slander and win in defamation cases. They. They win. That's why the lawyer told the guy to, he didn't, this guy wasn't going to sue Musk. A lawyer reached out to him <laughs> yeah. and be like, hey. I think you can sue I Musk. I <laughs> bet you, you can sue Musk. And if we don't win, we, we can just settle out of court, I yeah. bet. We'll set up a go from me. They'll, they'll, uh, you know, they'll seal the case. So, you know, Tesla and the boring company and all that doesn't get in trouble. Yeah. You know, they'll steal the case, but we could make some millions. And what the lawyer's thinking is, I get 30% of that. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> let's do, uh, let's get you $10 million. Let's settle out of court for $10 million and I'll get three. We'll call it a happy day. And my wife and kids will be happy because I had that idea. Maybe we should spend the rest of our day looking for people to sue, maybe. You know, there's some people who just do that all the time. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I guess. Yeah, yeah, whatever, to each their own. It's a job. Yeah. Uh, well, in the connection here, this other story, more than half of Americans want the government to censor speech. So oh. this is from a new story. Do you want to read this story? I can. Would you like me to? I would like you to, yeah. All right. So this is coming from Zero Hedge. The results of a new survey are truly disturbing. It was discovered that more than half of Americans want themselves, others, and the media censored by the government. Unfortunately, instead of learning from history, people are actually asking for a repeat of Nazi Germany or the gulags of the Soviet Union. Continuing to read from the article here. The First Amendment, which guarantees Americans freedom of speech, should be overhauled to reflect current cultural norms according to the 51 percent of the respondents to a survey published on wednesday by the campaign for free speech what this yeah. is like the campaign for free speech ran this survey <laughs> yeah the campaign is hoping to call attention to the dire state of americans preeminent civil rights with the poll which breaks down opposition along gender race class and educational lines History will continue to repeat until humans learn the lessons of the past. Censorship is always necessary for tyranny to thrive. I just, that's just unfathomable, unfathomable. Did yeah. I even say it right the second time? Possibly. It's just quite not registering <laughs> you for can't, me. You can't imagine this actually yes. being possible. It's unimaginable. Yeah. I can say that one way better. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. So it is, you know, 51%. And I don't know how scientific this study was, but we pulled it off of Zero Hedge. And Zero Hedge is normally pretty good, but they're news stories. So, um, yeah, that's that's scary. And we were talking to some people about this um, while we were at the Politicon thing this weekend. Yeah. Uh, talking about hate speech, right? You know, hate speech. And we were just kind of asking, where where do you draw that line? You know, what becomes hate? And then we were talking about, um, I was talking with the people that have that app, uh, Politi- Activote. Activote, yeah, Activote. Um, check out that app. Go download it and answer all the questions. It's 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 uh, beneficial. Um, so we were talking with the uh, one of the people from Activote, and we were basically talking about whether or not Facebook and all these people should should check the factual accuracy of the advertisements that are being ran or, you know, things that people are posting. But mainly it had to do with the ads. And this had to do with AOC questioning Mark Zuckerberg over whether or not, you know, they were going to fact check their advertising. And so my whole question on this is, um, where do you draw the line on all of this stuff? It's kind of the same thing from the last one. And I asked this I asked this um, person next to us, you know, you could run an advertisement that said, Amazon paid no taxes in 2018. And pretty much the bulk of everyone would agree that that is actually factual and that should be able to be an advertisement. But in all actuality, Amazon paid billions of dollars in taxes in 2018. They just didn't pay the actual federal corporate income tax. Right. So it's it's two different things that are that can be true at the same time. So yeah, they didn't pay. But when you say they didn't pay any tax in 2018, uh, that's actually a lie. Right. They did pay taxes in 2018. So people on the left would be guilty of this lie. And so what I would want to know is who gets to draw that line on how you're representing statistics, because as we've talked about before, you can represent statistics in in any way that you want to, really. Or think about even when it goes to advertising, the claims that companies make all the time. Yeah. Like America's favorite fries. (laughs) Like according to who? (laughs) There's probably a little asterisk right right next to that. Not always. (laughs) Yeah. You know, like uh, I, I saw one the other day. Yeah. That was like the highest quality whatever. It's like, well, according to what? Yeah. Now I know, like the you know the Verizon commercials, they have those asterisk surveys at the bottom. Yeah, well, people like the even fastest network. Yeah, like on T-Mobile and AT and T, that's going to say like they'll say like America's fastest mobile network for T-Mobile, which in the places where there's really good T-Mobile signal, it is it's like twice as fast as Verizon's um, 4G or yeah. LTE, whatever it is. Um, so they can say that, but of course at the bottom it has to say like. You know, little asterisk says, you know, in areas where you actually have signal for T-Mobile. Yeah. And it says, of the of the four people we surveyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> says the person who runs our company down, right. down there at the bottom. So, yeah, I don't know where you draw the line on this. Like, what's hate speech? I don't know what hate speech is. Is If I say, I think that um, scientifically there are only two genders, am I guilty of hate speech now? Maybe. If I say that trans women athletes should not be able to compete against biological women athletes, yeah, am I guilty of hate speech at that point in time? Right. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't want the government deciding that they're going to start drawing lines on what kind of speech you can say. Well, here's the problem, is that if the government gets to decide what hate speech is, it all depends on who's in power. That's and true. That's, so if if somebody is, uh, you know, if somebody is pro gender fluid and against biological science, and they become, you know, the they become the head of the office agency of hate speech of America, what the, <laughs> the, the Department of Hate Speech Affairs? Yes, which is what yeah, it's probably what it'd be called. That, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. if that person uh, is now the lead of that agency, they could write a regulation yeah, and then start, you know, putting people in prison for saying certain things. So this is the problem that happens. It's, it's not that it's not the question of whether or not hate speech, hate speech exists. The question becomes is if you give the power to government, who has that power? Like who's the one regulating and deciding what hate speech is. And that's the problem because what you do is you, you set up the power structure 
and you open the door for tyrants. You open the door for Nazi Germany. You open the door for someone like Adolf Hitler to use that power against you. And this is why we have the First Amendment that protects the freedom of speech is because the founders knew this 300 years ago. Yeah. Well, this is what governments always do. If you're on the left on that side, you should be equally afraid of it because what if another Donald Trump is in office and and they have this office of hate speech uh, defense protection spying agency and uh, they can decide, you know, what is hate speech? Well, what if eventually hate speech is talking negatively about uh, the founding fathers or talking negatively about people who want the Second Amendment or, you know, any, or anything like that? What if his office deems CNN as actual fake news? Yeah. You just and say, you, well, everything CNN says is hate. And so we won't allow it on the airwaves anymore. I'll direct the FCC to take down CNN. So the thing is, just let the people decide. And I know when you think like, well, the people voted that person in office, so they are deciding. But it's much easier to vote inside of a free market capitalist, a free market capitalism kind of uh, market than it would be if the government is you know, imposing those laws on people. Because if you're upset with Facebook for not, you know, censoring whatever, then just don't use Facebook anymore. Or if you want them to to do something, well, you can write them about that or you can tell them you're not going to run ads until they do. There's, you have so much control over people who are running the businesses. You have so much more control even than especially the people who are running the government. You, you hardly have any control over them whatsoever. So it's just a big danger when you start deciding that you're going to let them decide what people can and can't say. So uh, speaking of, speaking of hate, I was going to go to this next uh, Kamala Harris story real quick. Ooh. Yeah, speaking of, this is from TrendingPolitics.com. Did you say Kamala Harry? Kamala Harris. Harris. That's her name. Kamala Harris. Uh, Kamala Harris is already making excuses. She says that her gender and her race are making her unelectable. Yeah, it couldn't be her policies no. or her or her prosecutor record. No, it, it couldn't be that. It's specifically because of her gender and her race, and and that's the problem. So, let's see. This says uh, Senator Kamala Harris is already making excuses for why she won't win the presidency in 2020, and is of course blaming it on her gender and race. During an interview with Axios on HBO, the California senator suggested that she may not be able to become president because Americans are not ready for a black woman president. I think they're not. Uh, as long as it's her, they're they're not ready yeah. for that at all. Has so, nothing to do with your group identity. Yeah. So I mean, are you telling me that there was a uh, black woman libertarian out there running that that like somehow I would be against that in some kind of way? I bet you if Michelle Obama was running, she would get a lot more That's support true. than you, That's Kamala. True. Yeah. Um, and, she, <laughs> and she is black and woman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Both of those things. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's see. She says, uh, I have also started to perhaps be more candid talking about what I describe and what I believe to be the elephant in the room about my campaign. There is a lack of ability or a difficulty in imagining that someone who we have never seen can do a job that has been done 45 times by someone who is not that person. Meaning all the presidents except one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I guess all the presidents were male and um, 44 out of the 45 were white. Yeah. That's and what she's referring to. So her excuse is that since we've never seen a black woman be the president, then we're just not open to that. We're more open to seeing an old white guy. Yeah. I guess so. Um, I don't How know. How did she become senator? You would think, yeah, you would think after all <laughs> this time, this would be weighing in her favor since uh, people generally end up not liking the presidents very much. You could say, well, okay, well, they've all been old white guys, except for Obama. Uh, they've all been at least old and half white. All of them were at least that much. Yes. So we don't want this person in, anymore. Well, that would leave you open to vote for Kamala Harris. But apparently, I mean, the problem is she's got terrible policies and she's got a terrible record on criminal justice. Mm-hmm. And she's out there trying to say that she's for the people and everything when she made a living Putting people in prison. Made a living and laughed about it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's the problem here. And she's just going to be making excuses now. And, of course, it's her gender and her race. That's that's the yeah. problem. Uh, yeah. Of course it is. Yep. Let's do a couple good news stories. Uh, one on Lyft and one on Uber. 
The Lyft program offers free rides to job interviews for and for the first three weeks of employment. Now, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Lyft has started a new program offering free rides to and from job interviews. According to information from Lyft, the job the Jobs Access program will debut in 35 cities across the U.S., and it will provide rides to and from job job training programs, rob, rides to and from job interviews, rides to and from the first three weeks of employment, which guarantees, or usually guarantees, that individuals will receive their first paycheck, as most people get paid every two weeks, and they can pay for their own transportation after they start making money. That's a pretty cool yeah. capitalist idea. <clears throat> I like that, a, that. A free private company is doing something good for the community. It's like, hey, how how can we use our business to help those that are less fortunate that may not be able to afford a car? Now, unfortunately, this is going to put all of the union-controlled taxi cabs that have always been offering free rides to and from your job. You know, that's going to put them oh, yeah. out of work now. They've always been doing yeah. that. Yeah. So the, here they have been... Offering free rides to people for their to and from their workplaces all these years, and now Lyft is just going to come in here and undercut them, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, from Uber, Uber Health. I didn't know they started an Uber Health division. Yeah, apparently, it's a pretty big, pretty big section right now. That's for them. pretty cool. Yeah. They're integrating uh, or interfacing with Cerner's EHR, which is Electronic Health Records. So providers can set up rides for their patients. So Cerner is a software company, uh, mainly, that provides electronic health record software that deploys to hospitals. And uh, so I'm guessing that they're going to be able, when they use the scheduling portion of Cerner, that it's going to interface with Uber. Yeah. So that you can schedule a ride. So from the article here, Uber Health is embedding its platform into Cerner's EHR system so that providers can easily schedule non-emergency transportation for patients, according to Forbes. With the integration, a doctor can book a ride for a patient whose name and address will auto-populate from the EHR straight into a ride request. The Cerner partnership, which will start by offering the Uber Health capability to Cerner's U.S.-based hospital and health system clients, should be mutually beneficial to Uber and its fast-growing health division and to the thousands of providers operating through Cerner. Now, I guarantee you a doctor will not book a ride for the patient, <laughs> but a doctor will say you need an appointment and somebody will schedule you an appointment yeah. and, and then coincide if you need a ride. Well, they forgot to say the other person who this is going to be mutually beneficial for, which is the, the people. You yes. Know, the, here we're talking about how this is going to benefit Cerner and it's going to yeah. benefit Uber. And in that, in that little... You know, them two grouping together for mutually benefiting each other. Who wins in that scenario? The patient. The patient. Yes. The people. The people who Especially, have an issue getting to their appointments. Right. Especially you can think about, you know, the elderly. Maybe they don't have a license anymore. Or maybe they can't really, you know, drive themselves or something. Or maybe they don't want to. Yeah. Maybe they want the convenience of being picked up for their appointment. How cool is that? This is yet another thing that's going to hurt the taxi unions because... Taxis have been providing this service for years now, and now oh, yeah. Uber is just going to jump in and knock them out of the market. That's you know? how Uber Health got its idea from. Yeah, I mean, man, I, I like can't... how it specifically said non-emergency transportation. So we don't have Uber ambulances yet. Yeah, when I was driving uh, for Uber for a little bit, it it was it is a rule. Like if someone gets in and says like I need to go to the hospital, especially if they say I need to go to the ER, like. You're really not supposed to take them. You're supposed to make sure that they call 911. Yeah. And I've had people get in the car before. At, I picked up someone at a nursing home, and the nurses at the nursing home wheeled them out there and says, I need you to take them to the ER. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What'd they, you do? I took them to the ER, uh, and I guess maybe I wasn't supposed to do that, but... I don't know. I felt like sitting there waiting for an ambulance. I mean, they weren't like having any trouble breathing or anything like that. They weren't bleeding or anything like that. So you they didn't just... have to like drive and give them CPR at the same time. No, well, my my co-pilot did that. Oh, okay. Yeah. You should always <laughs> carry yourself a nice EMT in the passenger seat just in case and when you're driving Uber. So you can start that IV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it's, I want to go through this other part in this I, article. I honestly, wait, I can't believe that, though, because yeah. a nursing home, they know how to get a hold of an ambulance. Yeah. Maybe this person refused an ambulance ride they didn't want to pay for it. Maybe. And they were like really, you know, the nurse was like being weird about it and like, 
you know, make sure you take good care of them and you guys, you know, call me when you get there and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, lady, you just called an Uber for someone that you probably <laughs> needed to call an ambulance for. And you're trying to make sure that I'm going to do a good job. Are you coming with, like, like just in case yeah. something happens here? You know, oh. you don't have one of those government licenses saying that you know how to provide health care, man. It's a wonder the people are still alive. I can't, you, well, actually, I haven't confirmed that. Yeah. I don't know what happened afterwards. You, they, they were still alive when you dropped them off at the hospital. Yes. They were just now. Did they you were just have fine. to wheel them in to no. the hospital too, or were they able to walk? They were able to to get up and and walk. Okay, yeah. Now from a nursing home, hmm. Yeah, it was you know, uh, it was kind of a uh, game time decision on that one to tell you the truth, and I just went with it. And so. you're not someone who says no very often. No, I, if someone asks me to do something, I just do it. Yeah. So if you guys need. By the way, if you guys need anything out there, yeah, ask Nate. I'll I'll do it. Most I will totally. <laughs> We'll give in. He'll curse you under his breath later. I will. I am more than willing to inconvenience myself for people all the time. I, I will always do it as long as You're like, yeah, as sure, long man. as it's possible. Yeah. yeah. So the next the next paragraph is uh, is pretty good in that. Um, oh, did I miss it? Well, it had to do with the money that they're going to be saving in the healthcare oh. market. Yeah. Wow. Well. So it me... says uh, Cerner can up its value to partners by helping hospital. Remember, we're going to be talking about how this is beneficial to Cerner and Uber. Up its value to partners by helping hospitals and health systems fend off high costs associated with missed appointments without friction. Around 3.6 million U.S. patients miss medical appointments annually because they don't have access to transportation. And it says transportation issues cost the U.S. healthcare system $150 billion each year. So this is, it's just. You know, I'm not saying that this is going. This is what's going to save healthcare. You know, that's not that's not what I'm saying. But it's really interesting to see these two companies who are trying to provide. You know, Cerner is trying to provide better better value for their patients, for their hospitals, who are their clients. But in all actuality, they're really trying to provide value for themselves by making sure that all of these appointments are more efficient and making sure that the doctors don't waste time having appointments that people missed where they could be seeing patients. And so they're really all trying to up their efficiency and up the value of their day. And Uber is obviously trying to up its value because they're going to get paid for doing all of this. And at the end of the day, you know, you can you can focus on all those things, how those evil, greedy people all got together and concocted this wild, wild plan to do this. And you just have to make sure you're paying attention to the fact that the people will benefit from this by being able to get rides to their appointments, uh, where it says 3.6 million patients miss medical appointments because they don't have access to transportation. And then after all that, because of this increased efficiency, because there won't be doctors that just have an open room where they're supposed to be a patient uh, so they can be more efficient every day. It says it could save the U.S. health system $150 billion all that's, through these these greedy individuals concocting this wild plan right here. That's amazing. I know. I love it. That is absolutely amazing. Well, and it says that because if they don't miss their appointments that, you know, hospitals can, uh, you know, collect their co-pays and get revenue growth, but also um, it helps staffing and all of that too. Yeah. Because like if you have a doctor that's supposed to see, you know, let's say 20 patients and only 10 of them show up, well, what's he doing for what, when, you know, the other missed appointments? I know, I know. He's not, he's not providing, you know, the care. And he's still, you know, he's still spending the same amount of time in the doctor's office every day. So, and he could be seeing a lot, he's seeing less patients because some of them aren't showing up. So now the time's going to be used more efficiently, more value from the time overall. Yeah. So this next article, this ties into healthcare. Once again, some free market options here. Uh, it's named, uh, this is from Yahoo Finance, says, The system is broken. These doctors practice a less pricey form of healthcare. All right, from the article, it says, In a country where citizens resort to crowdfunding to pay for their medical bills and politicians can't agree on the right kind of healthcare system, a pair of doctors decided that enough was enough. This is coming from them. It says, we both started despising what was going on financially with the patients. Because when you look at the bankruptcy statistics, medical bankruptcies for patients now, it's egregious. Erroneous. Yeah, Dr. Stephen, uh, maybe Lantier or Lantier, I don't know, told Yahoo Finance, 
The average American cannot afford health care today, so we believe the system is broken. It is. Yeah, it is. The system is. is broken. So it says uh, Lantier, or maybe, I don't know. Let's go with Lantier. And Dr. Unless he's French. <clears throat> he could be French. Mm-hmm. We'll just say Lantier and Dr. Keith Smith, both anesthesiologists, partnered up in 1997 to establish the Surgery Center of Oklahoma. Their organization does not accept insurance and instead promotes price transparency, which involves listing prices of various operations on its website. Generally, the two charge patients the flat rate of a surgical procedure with an additional 10 to 15% margin for profit, bypassing additional costs that come from the involvement of hospitals and insurance companies. So, you know, when you read through this article, <clears throat> and I, I'm going to pause for the last the last paragraph here. But when you read through this article, it's spending all this time talking about how expensive the healthcare system is, how ridiculous it is having to deal with hospitals and insurance companies, and people are going bankrupt, and all, all these things that are really, in my mind, are kind of parroting a little bit more of what maybe Warren and Sanders would be saying in their campaigns. But I thought it was really interesting when you read down to the very last paragraph. It's my favorite. Very last paragraph of the article. This is a quote from one of the doctors. Remember, this article is phrased in a way that's talking about how terrible our healthcare system is and how no one's doing anything about it. And these people are trying to cut out insurance companies and hospitals to save costs. Well, this is a quote from one of the doctors. The argument that there's this spiraling cost of healthcare. We don't buy that, he said. We think that there are spiraling charges, almost all of which are the result of mandates from government and the extent of which the crony opportunists have taken advantage of that. What have we been saying about healthcare? Yeah. Over and over and over and over again. The reason why we have such a healthcare crisis in this nation is He's exactly right. Almost all of which are the result of mandates from government. Say that to yourself over and over and over <clears> again. Almost all of which are the results of mandate from government. <laughs> mandates from government. Mandates from government. Mandates from government. Just keep saying it to yourself. And actually right now, hit the back 15 seconds button and then listen to that all again. Yes. Yeah. I don't care. You guys remember CDs or records? <laughs> you got a broken one? I'll, I'll be that broken record for you. No, but we... Mandates from government. Government through Medicare is the co- it is the exponential cost of healthcare. Now, why should I care what you have to say about healthcare, Charlie? Because I am an expert, <laughs> and a, that's not actually not sarcasm. It's right not. No, no, no. I I mean, I guess technically, I'm a self I'm a self proclaimed expert, but in the sense that people are willing to pay me a pretty high value for my expertise in healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's not just me proclaiming it. I actually have people sending me checks. And I mean, there's a pretty sizable company that cares about you uh, helping them make their system more efficient, Mm -hmm. right? You're helping these hospitals navigate through what is the most ridiculous amount of bureaucratic red tape that's ever existed in all mankind. Yes. So ridiculous mandates. Yes. It's a good word for it too. We, we, we use regulation a lot and all of that, but mandate that's, that's a good word for it. Yeah. Now I've had some good mandates, you yeah. know, now, uh, <laughs> what, what we, um, um <laughs> what I'm talking mandates. about, it, yeah, I'm talking about, you know, when we just go see a game or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. Like a guy's night out. Yeah. Like a guy's Is, night out. Are we out. allowed to have that? Cause girls have girls yeah. night out. Yeah, sure. But. Be like a we're having a guys' afternoon in right now. Right, what we're having. Right. So um, I just it, don't feel like that's as socially acceptable. You mm, know, I don't know. It's, Which, tw- it's to 2019. Me is, is sexist. It is. Yeah, it is. So uh, there's I'm sorry too, I threw you off there. <laughs> there's too many regulations in the healthcare industry, and we've spent a lot of time talking about them. But I wanted to talk about what these guys are doing as one of their fixes. It's something I've always. I've always been in favor of, which is price transparency. I think that's a really, really big part of it because when you actually have to list out what you're going to charge for everything and you charge the same amount to every person like a normal business does, then you can start to have at least some type of incentive for those prices to go down. I'm not saying that would automatically force the prices down, but there's at least some 
some semblance of incentive for the price to go down. There's an example of that, by the way. What's that? LASIK eye surgery. Yeah. Or yeah. look at cosmetic surgery. Yeah. You know, it starts out like, you know, back in the day to get a breast augmentation was like 50 grand. And you had a lot of doctors, you know, that were good at surgery looked around and was like, man, I could make 50 grand to do a breast augmentation. I'll charge 40 grand because that's a lot of money for me. Yeah. And I'll do it just as good, but I'm I'm a little just a little bit cheaper. And then you have all of these surgeons that enter the market. LASIK eye surgery is the same way. Like, oh man, it was twenty thousand dollars an eye. Now you can get LASIK eye surgery for like five hundred bucks per eye. It's weird. Like these things that aren't always covered by insurance have almost been forced to get more efficient and cheaper. They do. It's almost like making sure that everyone had insurance for everything is not the answer to making everything cheap. It's the opposite. Yeah. Hmm. Isn't that isn't that odd? Uh, but then we also have this this um, thing that Walmart did, like with the Walmart Health uh, Clinic that yeah, they're opening. Transparency pricing. And when I've brought this up to some people, they're like, "Well, Walgreens has been doing that for years. They do the shot." No, it's not that. Walmart's Walmart has opened a doctor's office, like yeah. a literal doctor's office, in uh, one of their locations. They're testing this out um, down in Georgia, close to Atlanta, I believe. Georgia. And it's a it's an actual doctor's office that is attached called Walmart Health where they have primary care physicians, where they have, uh, they do imaging, they do stitches. Uh, you know, it's a it's like a walk-in clinic that also has, you know, the x-ray imaging and all that. Well, maybe they have x-ray imaging. But yeah, it's like a walk-in clinic for Walmart, an actual one that also offers primary care, and they have transparent pricing. You can look at their freaking price menu on their website. On the internet. $40 to see your primary care physician. $25 to get an x-ray. When you're there, it's $100 to get stitches from there. And it's just right there on a menu that everyone's going to be looking at all the time. And guess what? Now, if they raise those prices and the prices start spiking, people can actually see that happening. So it gives them a little bit of an incentive to keep it cheaper as much as they possibly can. And they're not going to be dealing with insurance as much. Which is a hefty cost. It is. It is. Now, I'm not blaming insurance companies on the price of health care. But we don't need to have insurance, health insurance for everything. Right. Especially just seeing your primary care physician once a year. You know, that if you have something scheduled a year from now, then your freaking insurance does not need to cover it. I always tell people even with insurance, you should still call around and get self-pay prices. Yeah. And do the math. Yeah. Because think about it, if you haven't met your deductible yet... Or if even if you have met your deductible, yet you still owe maybe 20% or 30% of what the cost is going to be, they charge you a ridiculous higher amount for having insurance than they do for self-pay pricing. Yeah. So still call and get the self-pay price, and it's like, okay, if I could get this procedure done for $1,000 as a self-pay patient, like if I'm paying cash for it, or they're going to charge my insurance company $10,000 and I owe 20% of that ten grand. Well, then you're still paying two grand out of pocket, which is double what you would pay for the self-pay price. Yeah, yeah. But they just don't—they don't put these prices on a menu. That's why you got to call and ask, and they'll give it to you if you call and ask them. Now, would you I be call in, around and ask all the time? Would you be in favor of the government mandating that all the healthcare providers post their prices? No. Okay. <laughs> no, because the market would take care of itself. Yeah. If but, more of these start springing up, and then obviously more people start entering the market, it'll it'll take care of itself. People will be like, oh, transparency pricing is the way to go. That is one of the few mandates. Just so you know, one of the few laws I have seen proposed that I, when I read it, I said, hey, that could actually help decrease prices. So it's one of, and I'm not saying they should do it or they should mandate it. it no, it would ab- it would absolutely do that. Yeah, I'm just against government mandates. Yeah, so, but um, I think I think the market would take care of itself as it as it starts to happen. Yeah, and by the way, when I said your insurance shouldn't cover it for your primary care physician, what I'm saying is that insurance is you know. Uh, it's supposed to be for things that are likely to not happen. And so if you if you call your home insurance company and you say, hey, my house is on fire. Can I buy some fire insurance for my house? They're going to give you a ridiculous price for fire insurance. It's probably going to be about $220,000 a month is what, is what it's going to yeah. cost. So, you know, this idea that insurance needs to cover things that we know are an absolute certainty, like your yearly checkup, like your car insurance needs to cover your oil changes or something like that. 
it doesn't make any sense. And, and it, it takes these kind of people out of the market, like these guys, like Walmart Health. It, you know, it takes these guys coming into the market to show people that we can do this without insurance. We can do a lot of this without insurance. And it'd be way cheaper, more efficient, more effective. Absolutely. There's even doctors that provide like a monthly subscription plan. We've got those around Nashville. You pay 50 bucks a month, 40 bucks a month or something like that. You have unlimited appointments you can make. You can do an unlimited blood test. There's all kinds of different testing. They have cheap cheap prescriptions there because they can buy the the drugs at wholesale prices. Yep. Yep. Pretty cool stuff. Well, dude, I got to go, man. Okay. Okay. I got to get out of here and pick up my little boy. Go pick up Parker, man. That's just fine. I'm going to, I'll wrap her up then. Why don't you you sign us off here? And I just want (laughs) to tell people, thank you very much for listening. I really, really, really appreciate all of y'all out there. And uh, it's just been an absolutely pleasure to do this every day for everybody, except for the days that I miss. (laughs) That's a good accent, man. Well, look, I'll, uh, I'll see all y'all tomorrow. (laughs) All right, guys. So this is what I need you to do. I need you to go to Instagram and follow us. It's at Good Morning Liberty. I need you to go to Twitter and follow us. It's at Good AM Liberty. Tweet Joe Rogan and tell him to have us on uh, his show. Come on. I sent him an email three hours ago and he hasn't responded yet. So maybe some of you guys tweet him. That'll help out. So go to Facebook. Look us up. It's Good Morning Liberty. Go to our website, which is goodmorningliberty.us if you guys want to read some amazing articles on politics and economics. And by the way, we're still giving away a freaking gun on Friday, a Ruger LCP 380. You can still, up until Friday, you can go to gmlconnect.com. There is a button that says free gun giveaway. You click on that. You give us some information so we can determine your eligibility to receive a free firearm. Uh, Just basically, we're going to check your state and make sure that your state even allows that to happen. So uh, go on there, sign up. We're going to be doing this giveaway on Friday. We'll be giving away that gun and hopefully no one does anything bad with it. You know, like someone asked me if I, you know, what I would feel like if that happened. So um, don't do anything bad with the gun, guys. That's the rule. But hey, it's on you if you do. So if you guys do all of those things, leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. Do all of that stuff. And we're going to be right back here tomorrow talking about all of this news. If you guys do all that, we'll see you then. Have a good day and a good morning. Liberty.